Anyone can benefit from the power of NLP. Anyone can benefit from the power of reprogramming. Anyone can benefit from identifying what makes them believe like their identity and perceive perception of self and the world at large. Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. Today on She Leads First, I have the pleasure of interviewing Rachel Joy, who is a serial entrepreneur and board certified trainer and master practitioner in NLP, EFT, time techniques, clinical hypnotherapy, and life and success coaching. She is the founder of Rachel Joy, her luxury personal development brand, accompanied by its emerging sister brand, House of Joy, which is a life and success coaching community and hub for parents. Additionally, Rachel is the co-founder of Total Recovery Practitioner, a trauma informed, immersive, accredited certification program designed with the high-level support of a business mastermind and the immersive experience of a spiritual retreat. Rachel has an extensive background in health coaching, personal training, and addiction counseling, and more. In combination with her expertise as a certified trainer, Rachel takes a unique approach to generate freedom in her clients' lives. Rachel has been featured in media such as The CW Network, Thrive Global, top podcasts such as Earn Your Happy by Lori Harder. She is a powerful facilitator of transformational change and is extremely passionate about helping women claim their power to become unstoppable in the pursuit of their dreams. I know you guys are going to love this episode. We are talking all things, it sounds a little dark, but I promise it's not, all things trauma and how it shows up in our own business, in our own entrepreneurship, in our clients' lives, in the clients that we attract. You are going to walk away so well-informed and with your eyes open up to this whole layer of coaching that you may not have uncovered in your own practice before. I know you guys are going to love this episode. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of She Leads First. Today, I am here with Rachel Joy. Rachel, hello. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. I'm great. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you because it's been like a long time coming for us. We've been in each other's worlds, but from afar for quite some time. So it's nice to finally reconnect. Oh, I agree. I'm so excited for this conversation and to, yeah, catch up in the process as well, because it has been a little too long, but we already started catching up. And I'm so excited to dive into this because for those of my listeners who don't know you yet, Rachel is 
I'm going to call you the expert in nervous system regulation when it comes to the coaching industry and how it shows up in our coaching and how it shows up with our clients and all the nooks and crannies that come out as a result of that. And it's such a big conversation, but I know you have such a good handle on it. So I'm so excited to just dive into all the wisdom that unfolds in this conversation. But I would love to kind of dive in for you first to bring listeners up to speed and let them know about your total recovery practitioner, because you are not just an expert in this, you also have a certification program in this. So I would love to dive in there about what that's all about and what it is you certify coaches in. So thank you for first off, you know, calling me the expert. It's been a long time coming in my own personal journey that's made me become the expert, but it's not really just myself. It's also in partnership with my mother and she has a clinical background, which is like that much needed area of expertise that we bring to the coaching space. And so before ever entering the coaching space, I actually was working with my mom in her other business where I was doing addiction counseling and I was also doing treatment navigation and also safe transport. So if you've ever watched like the show Intervention, we were doing interventions together and I would be the person who once the person agreed to say, yes, okay, fine, I'll go to treatment. I would be the person to make sure that they actually got to treatment safely and sober. So <laughs> for I don't even remember how old I was. I think I was like 21 at the time. But for a young 21-year-old, that was quite a hefty job to take on. That is very young to be doing that. I had the experience because I entered treatment for myself at age of 19. So I was living that life. I was doing my own work. And so that's where really where my like first experience came from that so funny to think like, how did I get here today in teaching and training people? It's not just from my credentials, but it's also from my personal experience. And it just makes sense that my mom and I work together. So what is TRP? It is a trauma-informed coaching certification where it's a seven-in-one certification where you receive the powerful certifications and tools and techniques and modalities of NLP, neurolinguistic programming, EFT, emotional freedom techniques, clinical hypnotherapy, life and success coaching, time techniques, which is very similar to timeline therapy, if you've ever experienced it, as well as trauma recovery facilitator and our proprietary method, the AWAKEN method, which is a combination of my mom's clinical trauma-informed scope with my unique NLP blueprint. We've brought that together to create a 97% success rate in our clients' clients' lives. So it's pretty exciting. Wow. Yeah, that is incredible. Oh, there's so much in there that I already have questions for you on. But the first thing that I want to pull forward is is NLP, because I heard you say that a couple of times. For people who might not be familiar with that, can we dive into that one a little bit? Yes. So I live and die for NLP. I That's like my secret weapon when it comes to coaching beyond the nervous system regulation, beyond like just being trauma-informed. What I do most is NLP. The best way I can explain it is as a coach, it's a tool and technique, but more than that, it's a way of living. It's an embodiment. It's a way of being. Like once you know it, you can't unknow it. And so people think that NLP, neurolinguistic programming, is a school of thought or practice with a variety of techniques that you can do to support a person in stepping into a new and more empowering identity or to release limiting beliefs on a subconscious level. And the importance about this is that the subconscious is 
of all thoughts, feelings, and behaviors reside from that place. So if you really want to create a change, it's not a matter of just going to the gym five times a week or getting rid of the junk food or whatever it might be. It's a matter of really getting rid of what's not serving you and then replacing that with new thoughts, new feelings, new beliefs and behaviors and identity, how you view yourself that will embody that change. So that you do go to the gym four times a week or so that you choose an apple over... I don't know, a McDonald's Big Mac, whatever it might be. So that's what people think it is. But really, it's just the language of the subconscious mind. Because our subconscious communicates differently than our conscious mind. So when you know, it's almost like the secret to life, when you know how to communicate to the real bus driver, the real one behind the wheel, you can actually navigate to where you want to go quicker and easier. So I like to explain it as the science of manifestation, really. Oh, I love that. It's so interesting hearing it and taking an account of it from this perspective within the coaching sphere and using it to help someone better their own lives and better your own life. I've only been introduced to it from a marketing perspective where people will integrate NLP into their marketing. And I thought that was beyond fascinating. I don't, I'm not certified in it or anything like that, but I am just so fascinated by NLP in general. And like you said, speaking to the subconscious and said, it's fascinating. It almost feels like a shortcut to get what you want. Bingo which is why it's so powerful in marketing and sales as well. It's human behavior. It's understanding what makes people tick and what makes them like move and create change and then knowing how to leverage that for better opportunity for all. When you put it like that, it's so obvious thinking about it, how it would be beneficial as a coach for your clients to help them facilitate change to be versed in some of these techniques here. And you said something to me off camera before we got started that I think is such a good lens to look at this conversation with is like, when you step into coaching, nobody teaches you how to coach. Like most people get into coaching because they're so passionate about their subject matter. And they're like, I know this and I can teach this to other people and it changed my life. So now I want to help change someone else's life. But what we don't realize when we step into it is that now you are helping humans change behavior. And that is so much more than just sharing your knowledge of a skill to someone to get somebody to integrate it and to change their life. Like you need to be able to deal with the human behind it and help them navigate their own change, which is such a deeper practice than just here's how you do X, Y, and Z. It's let me help you remove like your layers of programming and trauma to get to the point where you can even receive and implement what I'm teaching you or helping you use as a tool to change your life. Like there's so much in there. I'm just curious from your perspective, your certifications, is this something that you think every coach in every industry can benefit from to have in their toolkit? You know, it's funny you asked me that because when we were creating the messaging and the marketing around it, we had a really tough time perfecting that because as you know, I come from the coaching background. My mom comes more from the clinical scope where she's working with direct to consumer, the person who's really suffering from these mental, emotional challenges on a day-to-day basis. And I'm working with the coaches and teaching them how to use this in their business with their clients so that they can excel to the level of impact and success that they desire to see. And so we really were like, who is this for? Are we marketing to the coaches or are we marketing to everyone? Because really everyone needs this work. Everyone can benefit from it. But there's also power in niching down. So we did choose to market just to coaches. But you're you're like, who is this for? It's, It's really anyone can benefit from the power of NLP. Anyone can benefit from the power of reprogramming. Anyone can benefit from identifying what makes them 
believe like their identity and perceive perception of self and the world at large. And that all starts, like you said, when you peel back the layers between the ages of zero and seven, that's your imprinting stage, which is the most impactful years for you to relate to yourself, your family, and the world at large. That's when you're making sense and meaning of the world. So it's not just about what did were you taught. For example, on the journey of entrepreneurship, so many of us have money challenges and issues. It's not just about how many spots you sold or didn't sell. It's really what's going on. What was your money story quotation? What did you learn about money? How did your parents or your primary caregivers participate and relate to money? What did you see, particularly between those ages as well? How was money introduced to you? And that all creates your relationship with money. So it's not just the belief system, but then also who were your primary caregivers for you? Were your needs fulfilled? Were they not fulfilled? Were they fulfilled in a safe, communicative way that supported you in creating what they call a secure attachment? Or were things swept under the rug and completely ignored as if everything was fine, which creates what we call an anxious attachment? So it's not just about programming like your beliefs, but it's also about this is where the trauma component comes in. What was the foundation of your home life really like? And that then feeds into every aspect of your life. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And it comes out so much too, (laughs) just reflecting on my own journey now, but as you start to pay attention to these things, like it comes out in how you build your business and what you're willing to go for. And also very much so the type of clients that you attract. That kind of pinged in my brain when you started to talk about attachment there. And I would love to go into that a little bit more if you don't mind sharing and going into a little bit more depth around attachment, because I do think that it does show up a lot in the relationships that we attract inside of our coaching business. And then we're like, why do I keep getting clients that are like X, Y, and Z? Not necessarily realizing that we're the common denominator in what's being attracted. Yeah. So this is goes into the conversation of attachment theory. And I think attachment is so fascinating. It's so telling who you are and how you participate in the world, in your relationships. And again, like you said, in your business. So attachment in a nutshell is exactly that. It determines how you play in the world, in the game of life. And there's four primary attachments. There's secure attachment, which is what we're constantly striving for, but majority of us never actually got. Now, if you didn't get that, that doesn't mean that you can never get that. You can actually have a reparative experience where you become a securely attached person eventually through the healing work. Then there's three other ones, which is, for lack of a better word, I'm going to call them the dysfunctional or the chaotic attachments, <laughs> the ones that cause havoc in our life. And that would be an anxious attachment, anxious type. Then there's the avoidant attachment. Then there's disorganized attachment. An example of an anxious attachment might be cultivated by the primary caregiver being, again, this is just one example. So there's multiple. Remember that as I'm sharing this. But an example could be a helicopter parent where they're always walking on eggshells for the child to never get a boo-boo or never make a mistake. And they're almost always interfering and never letting that child ever have an experience of their own to make mistakes or to learn any consequences or anything like that. Because the parent's like, oh, no, 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 honey, don't do that. Or let me help you with that. Because they're like, God forbid my child should ever experience any pain. That's an example of an anxious attachment that gets transferred over to that child. 
Then there's avoidant, like I said, where, for example, maybe there was a conflict in your home or just emotions in general were never talked about. It was like something happened and then your parents went on or primary caregivers continued on with life as if everything was fine and it was just never acknowledged. That's what we call an avoidant attachment. And then disorganized can show up in many different ways, similar to both of those, but it's more of a direct correlation to some type of trauma, whether that's physical, emotional, sexual, mental abuse in any way. If there was any type of ongoing trauma in the home rather than just one event, it's the similar symptoms as expressed before, but to a greater level. And so those reactions then affect how you show up. For example, avoidant in business. Let's talk about this. If you have an avoidant attachment, maybe you avoid your relationship with money, or maybe you avoid your potential conflicts with clients, or maybe you avoid going deeper into a conversation that you know you need to have with a client that's actually going to get them the result that they desire. If you have an anxious attachment, maybe you're constantly, like this is kind of going back to what we were talking about, like working harder for your clients than they are to try to get the results. Or you're trying to be like the fixer, which many of us as coaches are fixers in our family. We played the Dr. Phil role in our family, which is or our friends group, which is why we ended up being a coach in the first place. And also keep in mind that Anxious attachment isn't directly related to the diagnosis of generalized anxiety, but many of us end up having anxiety. And so again, similar tendencies and also why anxiety is a massive diagnosis in today's, I would say it's almost like an epidemic, today's healthcare mental health system because of our attachment systems, but also how we participate in the world. Like constantly scrolling on our phones is designed to create more anxiety for us because we're constantly comparing ourselves. We're constantly waiting for that next dopamine hit of a notification to come up. And that all contributes to how we regulate or dysregulate in our life. Oh, this is so fascinating. And I definitely just self-diagnosed myself listening to you give examples. <laughs> I'm like, and that's me. <laughs> There's actually a self-assessment you can do to identify what your attachment style is. So Maybe I'll send that to you and you can like put it in the show notes for people. Absolutely. I would love to. We all love a little self-diagnosis. <laughs> this is so, it's so fascinating to me and just how it plays out in all of our relationships, but especially in our coaching relationships as we're talking about today. And like I was saying, the clients that we attract and the way that we handle situations, it's mind boggling when you get into it and you start to realize like, oh, it's actually unhealed pieces of me that are causing these quote unquote problems to show up or stay present in my life. And I think that's where the conversation starts to come back to what we opened up here with, with the concept of nervous system regulation. Can we talk about what that means for somebody who maybe is just getting introduced to nervous system regulation for the first time, or maybe they've heard it as like a buzzword, but they don't really quite understand what it means. What is the relationship to that and everything that we're talking about here in terms of our own kind of dysfunction or ways that we've been conditioned? So you just literally took the word out of my mouth. It is a big buzzword right now in the industry. Nervous system regulation and somatic coaching or somatic experiencing. These are two big words. So somatic is of the body and nervous system is your nervous system that connects the mind and body. It's constantly working and running for us and with us. And so 
nervous system regulation, in my opinion, isn't a one-time thing. It's not just something you do when you're feeling activated or triggered. It's something that you're constantly having a gauge on so that you can show up in your life in an aligned place. A perfect example that's coming to mind, like I, I'm a projector in human design, so I always teach from personal experience. A perfect example right now is that I'm sitting on a decision in my life that I'm scared to make, but I know I need to make that decision. and I know which way I'm going to go. And so if I was making that decision from a dysregulated place, because I don't have a practice to regulate me, which we'll get into shortly, I would very likely make the wrong decision or I would move through this moment that I'm in right now with a lot of discomfort. And there's a difference between discomfort, but then also ease in the discomfort. Like I'm uncomfortable making this decision. I'm uncomfortable and I'm afraid of the actual, like, I don't know the how yet. I just know it's the decision I need to make. So the uncertainty can create a lot of anxiety for us, right? But when we're regulated in those moments of discomfort, you're able to move through it so much easier. You're able to know that in that moment, you are safe regardless of not knowing what's going to happen or how it's going to pan out because you've got you. You're grounded, you're safe, you're supported by your spirit guides, whatever you believe in, and it's good. You will only feel that if you are regulated. If you're dysregulated, it's going to feel like you're literally dying and that this one decision that you're making is the biggest defining moment of your life. And how could you even expect to make such a decision because there's so much weight sitting on this one moment? That's not real life. That's your nervous system getting you into a fight or flight response or a freeze response or a fawn response. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like quite a big percentage of the population is walking around with at least a little bit of nervous system dysregulation going on. Oh, 100%. All of us are. And that's why I say it's not like a per minute per event thing. It's literally a day-to-day basis, hour by hour sometimes, even minute by minute. And so how do you identify this? Well, I think most people think being dysregulated means fight or flight right? You're either, and we know these words a lot of the times from like, maybe you learned it in biology in high school, but there's so much more depth to it than just fight or flight. There's also freeze and there's also fawn, which has been more recently researched. So fight response. Fight response is there's a threat. Now keep in mind in real life, this threat could be an email. It could be a notification because we're like, there's no saber toothed tiger coming after us anymore. So our daily threats are small, silly daily tasks or responses, or even your partner asking you a question. Okay. So it doesn't actually have to be a threat, but when we're dysregulated, our alarm system's going off and it's like, "Uh oh, I'm not safe here. So fight would be, you're literally fighting against that thing to defend yourself. So it can show up as rage or anger. It can show up as defensiveness. It can show up as physical fighting. There's many different responses, but that's an example of how fight shows up. I think like an example that's that's coming to mind just in the coaching sphere, this popped into my brain instantly when you said that is like when a client sends you a message that could be interpreted many different ways and you go right into like, why are they mad at me? What's wrong? Like, why are they ignoring my advice? Or like, why are they out to get me? Like we instantly go into this like, huh, I need to attack this problem. When it could just be like, 
they've got a million things going on and they just sent you a quick message and they didn't even think that it would be interpreted that way at all. Or they sent you a message with an undesired response. Like maybe it's someone who's unhappy with the service and you instantly go into like, oh my God, I'm being attacked. I need to stand up for myself type of mode. Which is why like what you just said and what I just shared is I will now never respond to any type of email that's making me feel that way for at least 24 business hours, sometimes even 48, depending on how triggered I feel or dysregulated when I am reading that message. Because again, when we are dysregulated, our brain power goes away because if we are in fight or flight response, we need all of our energy and power in our body to literally run and protect ourselves from that saber tube tiger, which is in this case, that email. Yep. Absolutely. So is flight connected to that or is a flight response a little bit different? So flight is a very similar response. It's just the behavior is different. So you're feeling the threat, but you're literally running instead of fighting. So again, similar to avoidant attachment, if you have an avoidant attachment, you're likely a flighter rather than a fighter. You're probably like, oh no, I hate conflict. I can't handle this. I'm just going to Hope that it disappears until the person sends you another email and then another email like, oh, shit, I got to handle this now. Like, I got to show up for it. Those are the assignments where you're called to really expand into what it means to be a coach or a business owner and approach the situation with integrity, ethics, and first, regulation. That's so me. I've worked on it. Like, let me be clear. But that was the biggest lesson for me, like coming into entrepreneurship was just realizing that I had to face things. Like I used to be someone in the nine to five world where if I saw a negative email come in, I would do everything I could to not look at that email and just avoid it as long as I could. But in entrepreneurship, I was like, you can't do that because it's your business. <laughs> so you can't, you can't do this anymore. So, so much of my work has been facing it. I think I used to be a flighter as well. But like, how empowering is it to know that you're, you end up growing into a person that can handle those hard moments? Like now when there's a conflict or something and I handle it with one grace and integrity and like a sense of leadership, I am so proud of myself because that is not who I used to be. And just, it creates these moments for growth. And that's really where you do evolve and expand as a coach and a business owner. Oh, absolutely. It's crazy just to look back once you've been in entrepreneurship for a year, even you can just look back and say, wow, I was such a different person. If you choose to lean into the growth, of course. <laughs> if you choose, highlight word if, <laughs> or highlight word choose, choose to lean to, into the growth. Absolutely. Okay. So we went through two. I am curious to hear about a little bit more about freeze and fawn. Cause like you said, fawn is kind of almost like a new one. I feel like I didn't hear that in the past. And fawn is huge in the coaching industry. So we're going to say best for last. So very quickly, we'll get into freeze. So freeze is like when the animal in the wild plays dead to protect themselves from the predator. So they literally freeze. They literally dissociate from their body. And this does happen at times in the coaching space, whether that's in a session and something's happening from with a client and you don't know what to do and you're feeling overwhelmed. So you freeze and you're like, uh, uh, almost like you trip. Or again, it could be a conflict where you freeze and you're like, I don't know how to handle this. An example of freeze would be one of my colleagues, actually. She used to be so afraid of sales calls that she would get through the entire sales call. It almost seemed as if the person would sign up. But then when the moment 
it came to asking the price. On one call, she actually closed out the Zoom and pretended that she lost internet connection. She literally just froze and was like, nope, not today. (laughs) That is so real. That's so funny. (laughs) That is also a little bit of flight as I'm talking because you're literally running away from the threat of presenting (laughs) your... But she literally froze. She's like, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to now run. So that's freeze. Then there's fawn. Fawn. Okay, let's talk about fawn because this one is a big one. I find that I don't want to say is the problem in the coaching industry, but it contributes to a lot of the messiness that people talk about in the industry. So people say how the coaching industry is inauthentic, it lacks integrity, it's superficial and all about numbers, that it's like a pyramid scheme is what they say. I was just going to say that. Yep. And that's not really the truth. That's one part of it. And what you're seeing in that realm of the coaching industry is a bunch of inner children who are not dealing with their trauma or acting from a trauma response subconsciously, not even knowing it. Most of the time, they're probably not knowing it because I like to believe that we're all doing the best we can with the resources we have available and that these people just don't know any better. And so fawn looks like lack of boundaries. It looks like people pleasing. It looks like putting someone up on a pedestal. And as I'm talking, you can probably see how all three of these so far interrelate to the conversation we're having. And it also looks like continuing to trust a person even when they've done you harm. So in relationship to the coaching industry, that could be continuing to invest in a particular person, even though they promised you X, but you got Y instead, or even though they said this, but they didn't do that. You have that lack of assertiveness to stand up for yourself and say, you know what, this is not okay. I don't feel really supported or I feel like I'm being taken advantage of, so I'm gonna leave now. Instead, people will stay in that particular space, because that person is up on the pedestal. This is such a big phenomenon in the industry. It really is. I'm always so curious, and I do think about it a lot of what is sort of the antidote to all of this? How do we start to deconstruct some of that? And I would imagine that it is everything that we're talking about, a lot of regulation, but on both sides, both of us as coaches, because one thing for me that I've found is I want to make sure that I never become that coach for somebody, right? Like I want to make sure that I'm not creating that dynamic in my own spaces. But also on the other side, we want clients to be more empowered as well. And so I feel like I'm teeing this up for the answer just to be perfectly, okay, we all need to regulate our nervous system. (laughs) So (laughs) what are some of the ways that we can start to integrate this into our own lives and integrate into our own practices as coaches? Well, more than regulating the nervous system, It's taking a trauma-informed approach. It's, to be honest, like I know you want to go that route, but that's not the real answer here. The answer is being able to identify when someone is in a trauma response, whether that's you or a client, and knowing what to do with that. It's having the coaching industry as a whole, recognizing that Like you said, we're humans having a messy human experience that's highly individualized and nuanced. 
And we all bring our own trauma into this conversation to some capacity, whether that's a little T, like, I don't know, being embarrassed at a school event versus a big T, like some type of family event or abuse of some sort or grief or loss, right? There's a wide spectrum, but to that person, that moment that was labeled as traumatic left an imprint on their mind and it left some type of idea of who they are and how they relate to the world at large or who they need to be. And so it's really about being able to identify how delicate people's human experiences are and knowing what to do with that. Because coaching and mental health have blurred lines. People don't really realize when and how they're blurring those lines. Mm-mm. And it is, it's tricky sometimes too, because I think also as coaches, then you get into scenarios sometimes where you don't want to feel like you don't have the answer for someone, but sometimes we really don't have the answer for someone. If they're coming forward with something that is out of our scope of practice, one, we need to be able to identify that. And then two, we need to know when it's okay to say like, Hey, this is actually beyond what we can do together in this container, but I'm going to refer you out to X, Y, and Z, or this is something that looks like X, Y, and Z to me, you might want to look into this further. So there's like a lot in there even, but is there a way for us as coaches to get better at recognizing? I don't know if I want to ask the question of like, for ourselves when we're operating from a place of trauma or when we notice it in our clients. So feel free to to answer this from either perspective, but how do we identify when there is something coming up where it's like, okay, this is beyond just how do I apply X, Y, and Z that you're teaching me? There's something deeper there. So this is where it does like, you're like, for me as the coach area, I'm like, yeah, okay. Nervous system regulation makes sense in that component, in that aspect, because One, I would like to trust that as a coach, you're doing enough of your own self-work, whether that's through books, podcasts, reflections, therapy, a mentor or a coach who can guide you deeper into your own self-reflection, where you can recognize your own trauma responses, your own patterns, your own silly like idiosyncrasies that make you act who and how you are, and then having that awareness to regulate when you need to regulate. On the flip side, when you have a client, the biggest, biggest, biggest thing is that's where you start with your client. It's not, oh, you know what? They seem like they're depressed. or Oh, they seem like they're anxious. Maybe this is out of scope or maybe we should talk about this now. It's before you even start working with your client, you have a deep intake process that they have the opportunity to disclose certain information to you. And if they've disclosed that they have some type of mental health diagnosis or some type of trauma, PTSD response or diagnosis or experience, you then ask further questions like, you know, if it was trauma, what type of therapy have you done around this? For how many years? How long ago? Are you working with anybody right now? If it was a while ago, are they labeled unstable? You know, like, are they well-resourced is the word I'm looking for? Do they have tools to support them through this? Because you might think that you've dealt with your trauma, but life happens and it gets stirred up again, just so you can learn it and heal from it from a whole other level. That's literally the evolution of life is to learn from your stories, your experiences over and over and over again. And so through that process, then if they are working with somebody, you would have them ideally, depending on the context of what's going on, ask if they provide consent for you to work collaboratively with a therapist. 
as a coach, I think that's the safest and best thing you can do if there is some type of diagnosis, because now you're not responsible for anything because they are seeing a licensed psychotherapist or trauma therapist, whereas that's not your scope as a coach. If there is some type of diagnosis and they're not seeing one and they haven't done any work, knowing the scope of work that I do, it can probably or will probably dig up some stuff that they might not be ready to handle if they're not well-resourced. So you lovingly say, hey, I think this is where you need to start first. And then like you said, refer them to an EMDR specialist or a therapist or whatever it needs to be. But again, unless you've done that work in knowing how to identify trauma, how it relates with mental health, how to safely and effectively refer out, how to regulate when someone needs to be regulated because maybe you didn't do an intake and, or maybe they didn't even disclose that information. Sometimes that happens too. Like maybe you do an intake to protect yourself, but they just don't feel comfortable. Another thing is if they've never done this work before, they might not even be aware that they've ever had any trauma because one of your subconscious protective mechanisms is to actually like black things out until you're in a place in your life where you feel safe enough to repair that experience. So maybe it actually comes up halfway through your coaching term that something happened at a certain age and now they're completely dysregulated and they're dissociating or they're highly emotional, whatever that is at that point. Yes, it's out of scope, but you're not just going to leave them high and dry and be like, okay, I can't handle this. Sorry, this is not for me. You're going to say, like you said, hey, look, I think this is not think. I know this is beyond my scope. What you really need right now is a licensed professional in X or YZ. And I have a few recommendations for you here. I don't know if you know anybody. I'd be happy to support you through this transition and work collaboratively with your therapist if they see fit. But for me right now, this is the most that I can do with you and for you. And I'm here when you're ready to continue. Yeah. Oh, I love the idea of getting it up front and having it be one of the first conversations that you have with people. On that note, I'm just curious from your perspective, if you think that level of depth of going into like, like you said, basically their mental health history in terms of who they've worked with and what they've worked on, is that necessary or useful in every discipline? Like I'm thinking of if I have clients who are financial coaches and they work with clients on their money. Now we know that there's a lot of trauma around money too, (laughs) but, or somebody who is a personal trainer and online fitness coach, do you recommend that they go into that depth in their intake as well? Yeah, I do. I don't think everyone will agree with me, but I do. Because again, we're human and we have unique experiences. And those are the experiences that literally drive us to think the way we think, feel the way we feel, behave the way we behave. So like you said, the person who is completely out of control with their finances isn't completely out of control with their finances because they don't know how to budget. They're completely out of control with their finances because whatever they experienced with money, however many years ago, whatever that programming they decided, the fitness or personal trainer isn't just about getting that six pack and summer bod ready. It's really, why do they feel that they're not good enough as is? Or what is that absence that they're striving for? What do they think that six pack will do for them? And if you dig deep enough underneath all of that, there's some type of inadequacy, some type of judgment, whether that's from self or others that was put upon that person. And that comes from another element, another layer of depth. Like, I can't tell you how many people 
in the coaching space, for example, they appear healthy because they're either in fitness competitions or they love to work out. And it's they've taken it to an extreme of health rather than an extreme of unhealth. It's that's trauma, that's habits, that's an addiction. That's mental health related. That's not just behavior. Ugh. I don't know if I've ever shared this on here, but you're bringing me right back to my journey as a personal trainer where, well, first off, when I started coaching, that was the first thing I was prepared for when I became a personal trainer and coaching in that aspect was you're going to become a therapist. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like whatever. But then the more you work with humans, it's like, oh, this is really true. Like it all comes up when you're working on change, just like you said, because it's not just, I want the six pack because I want the six pack. There's usually something deeper there. And then as I got deeper and deeper into loving the coaching and loving the transformation of it, I started to unearth like, "Uh oh, Emily, maybe you've taken this to an unhealthy extreme and you don't want to be projecting this on other people and then healing that backside of my brain and questioning everything. That's what led me out of the fitness industry. That's when I realized like, oh, this was just another thing that you were kind of channeling into. And just like you said, going to an unhealthy extreme when once I healed that, I was like, oh, do I even love fitness this much? Like, (laughs) I do like it, but I was like, do I love it? But I had fallen in love with the coaching. So we can thank that experience for guiding me slowly to where I am now. But who you just like checked a lot of boxes on my own journey, just in that example. And here's the funny thing. I want you to just think for a second, count on like your own hand or mentally count how many fitness professionals who are like you, who took it to an extreme, who have then transferred into coaching and or entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. It's almost everyone I know. (laughs) Right. I have chills as I'm saying this, but I have so many clients and mentors who were in that space and then became business owners why you think that is. It's another challenge for them to prove their worthiness, to prove that they're enough. And this journey, entrepreneurship, I find is typically the playing field or the arena where they actually realize that it has nothing to do with the external goal, but everything to do with them instead. Yep, that rings so true. And I've always I've always said that of like there's a very strange pipeline from fitness to business like because <laughs> I know way too many people that have made that transition. Like there's something going on there and I think you just hit the nail on the head. Ugh. Okay. I'm loving this so much. I want to kind of direct this over to if somebody listening right now is like, "Okay, I'm not versed in any of this. Like I don't know my own trauma. Like I don't know my client's trauma, but I can see how it might be coming up. Where do they start? Like what is the first place to start to educate themselves a little bit more about this so that they can then in turn help their clients more as well? Because I would imagine we kind of have to start with ourselves first before we can help other people with this. 100%. My first answer in my head is like total recovery practitioner. Like that's the whole point of it. It's so that you can experience your own journey. And then through that journey, you are then qualified and trained to facilitate that transformation for someone else as well. On the other side, smaller, more accessible things. If you want to like dip your toes in the water, we do have many free resources available. They're constantly changing, but many of them are on our website or in our bio we have a 10k challenge for coaches, which as we're, you're, you know, we're talking, you think it's the money that you want, you think it's the success, but what do you need in order to get that money and success? It's not another business strategy, even though we do support you with business strategy in that 
it's a Facebook community. So in that Facebook community, there is some strategy component, but it's really an introduction to everything we're talking about right now. So that's free and available on our website. Then I'll also drop the attachment assessment for you. And also inside the challenge Facebook group is a chart to identify your trauma responses. So that might be helpful as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, fantastic. We'll link all of the resources that you've mentioned down in the show notes. For people to go and connect with you after this, where is the best place for them to find you? At the Rachel Joy, number one. Number one. <laughs> fantastic. I always do number one because people like to, will type in like the word one. I'm like, no, no, that's not me. Wrong no. person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming there was already a uh, the Rachel Joy when you got started. There was, unfortunately. And there was also Rachel Joy. And the thing is, Rachel Joy or the Rachel Joy, I don't remember anymore, is taken, but they're not doing anything with their profile. And I'm like, I just want to contact this person and take that profile, please. Like, Isn't that the I'll pay you like I do with a domain, but I don't know how to contact that person. They never responded. I've got the same problem on Pinterest. I want my Pinterest handle, but somebody else has it and they don't pin anything. I'm like, can I please just have it? <laughs> so frustrating. Ugh. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for being here. This was such a good conversation that truly I believe everyone listening needs to be privy to and have access to this information because not only does it make us better coaches, but it makes us better people and better humans and show up better in our relationships. So I'm so glad that this is coming to the forefront of the coaching industry and we're starting to talk about it a little bit more because I think it's how we're going to fix things. I really do. I think it's how we're going to clean up the industry. So thank you again. Thank you so much for being here. And I will see everyone in the next episode. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. As soon as you send me over that text, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this inner circle daily text list. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together. So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.